1: fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Loaf Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen.
2: Rodgers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What well, a shot! Oh, that's a good goal! Michael is fouled! Well posed for Shearer, goal! 4-0! Steve White! Touched to Mitchell! It's another goal! Incredible! Hubble! means it's the Premier League for Swindon Town now. But first, a goal by Jörg Mjordov. Park it. Austin going Yes. New bat. New bat. 2-0 Swindon. Danny Ward. Not the way we win this league anyway. Richard. He's hit it. It's Bradway. Oh, it's
1: Floyd. Hello, Rich here. I'm very excited to announce that I've teamed up with Colt Zeros, the creators of amazing... Custom t-shirts. You may have seen Colt Zero's advertised in When Saturday Comes magazine or The Blizzard Quarterly. My first t-shirt from Colt Zero's was back in 2007, a Nesta Lorenzo in Argentina Blue. Lovely stuff. I've had a few since then, Sean Taylor, Jan Fioltoff and Yasakassim, to name but a few. Summer is here, and it would be great if you could show your support to the pod by purchasing one with my John Daglish-created logo on the front, or a selection of Low Strangers guests like Simon Ferry, Super Sammy Parkin, and Juan Cobian, and there's more to come. The t-shirts come in men's, women's, and youth sizes, and are priced at £12, with a percentage going towards the upkeep of the podcast. Links to the Cult Zero's website can be found on all the platforms of social media that I use, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and within the summary of each podcast episode from here on in. I asked my three-year-old what she thought.
2: I love Swindon t-shirts.
1: Anyway, it's time to sound the hooter for the Lone Strangers podcast. Enjoy. Mm Hello, Rich. The final S Quadest ever.
0: Yeah, if, uh, well, maybe not ever, but we'll we'll see we'll see how long we go. See if people <laughs> will uh, will keep put up with me and, and, and you for another season. But um, yeah, it feels like a long time ago we were doing the first one of these things. So um, the one year anniversary of the latest stages hasn't quite got to that stage yet. But um, yeah, this has been a. Uh, it feels like we've been doing this a lot longer than one season.
1: Of course, S Quadest is leaving, but the the podcasts aren't. We're just renaming it which will uh, unveil nearer to the time. But what a day it's been recording on Sunday the 26th of May. You've just been watching Nikki Josie technically become a championship player again and I've watched Fede Bersone gain promotion to the Tresera League's what a day.
0: Yeah, quite a uh, contrasting levels of football. I'm, I'm sure Fede got an assist in, in his uh, in his game, and and I didn't really mind he won out of Charlton Sunderland. So yeah, that was that was all right for me. And uh, obviously, Charlton provided you know an own goal that would go down in history. So I enjoyed my slightly hungover Sunday.
1: <laughs> so this episode is a season review. So we're going to go all the way through. Uh, hopefully covering as much as we can over Swindon's fantastic um, uh, 2018-19 campaign. We'll start generally with League Two, though. So promoted were Lincoln City as champions. Bury, uh, Milton Keynes Dons and Tramier Rovers went up. Going down were Notts County and Yeovil Town. Now the listeners will hear what our predictions were back at the start of the
0: season. Nuts County, who have who have bought well, MQ Dons. Who uh, anyone who sort of follows me or knows me will know that I like expensive football, so I'm quite jealous of them hiring Paul Tisdale. I think MK Dons quite, do quite well. Uh, Lincoln will probably be out there again because Cowleys are doing are doing well, and they'll they'll probably be out there again because they, they, again they bought well and Harry Tuffalo's... Uh, a good signing for them, among others. So those are the sort of teams I'd expect to be up there. I would say Mansfield, but they are managed by David Flickoff, so I'm I'm sure they'll finish about ninth. Where, where I come to the bottom. I think sort of Yeovil will be down there again, and probably Newport, uh, Morecambe, and Mappus will probably be uh, looking over the shoulders as well. But Harry Smith is is again a good signing for them, so he might be able to get the goals that keep them up. I
1: think Tramier will uh, will do well. So Notts County, eh?
0: Yes, insert laugh emojis here. Um, I don't think I did too badly over that, and I don't think I'd be the only person that had, you know, Notts County in and around the chase and Park. So I'm generally quite happy with, the, with my preseason predictions. It could have gone a lot worse with my track record. Quite
1: right. I mean, you got MK Doms right, you got Lincoln right, and although you were quite flippant about Mansfield due to Flitcroft, they, one, had a promotion campaign, and two, failed. So you're correct.
0: Yeah, I think I remember saying that, you know, Mansfield would probably go up if they had a better manager and um, they were still in around round of chasing pack so fair play to them on that you know they lost in the and followed to Newport and uh, Flickroff got the boot so insert evil laugh here <laughs> and your
1: relegation predictions not too bad at all so you were correct to say Yeovil and Morecambe and Macclesfield certainly did struggle Newport County they had a very good season but I mean it's one of those ones Newport where next season it would not surprise me in the slightest if they went down sorry to any uh lost Newport fans that somehow are listening to this
0: <laughs> yeah the league too is quite strange I think I think you know due to only two teams ever going down you get a lot of teams not too much disrespect to them I hope that maybe wouldn't look out of place in the conference I'm thinking of like the likes of Morecambe that have been here refusing they're always sort of around that sort of 17th 18th 19th sort of bracket but um but yeah I, I, I thought Marcus Field would be gone to be fair and for a long time it looked like they were and they managed to uh just about survived so uh i think but that might might have been mainly due to not currently being absolutely horrific for um for parts of the season but yeah, I don't think i don't think there's there's much surprise in the, the other teams and the likes of yeovil that, that were down there as well so yeah pretty standard league too i think but crucially
1: let us not forget that i went with just one team to go up and that was tramier
0: yeah you did well i mean it's it's a fence-sitting um success for you but um, <sighs> <laughs> I also I also had trauma around the chasing back Tucker thing so yeah no no real surprises there for me either but um I'll let you have the uh, the excellent trauma prediction
1: Quite right too we were both quite positive about Swindon but not exactly super super confident that we would go up I lean towards Swindon having a better season than a poor season you said Swindon would hopefully go up but you would jinx um, it just by saying that and again we were both right because you jinxed it and Swindon were dead mid-table yeah
0: I don't think there's any getting away from the fact that it's been quite a disappointing uh, campaign but you know as I said you know quite a few times on this bloody thing that uh, (laughs) that there are chinks of light and I think we'll just hope that Wellens gets a decent summer and uh and does some good work there, and hopefully, third time lucky we get out of the bloody division. But, um, you know, maybe I'll just jinx it again. So, let's, let's have fun in 2019 20. Absolutely. So, from your
1: stance up in the commentary box, when the media booth, or whatever the hell you guys call it, who were the best teams that you saw at the county grounds over the season?
0: Yeah, I've kind of looked into this, and I think at the risk of having a really boring answer this, I don't think anyone really stood out. I mean, if you, if you go for the promoted team to start off with, I mean, Lincoln, it's really hard to judge, uh, especially in the home game because you know although they did well to you know, I think they went two in up, they they had two men sent off and Swindon managed to get a point out of it. The away game they were obviously brilliant. I mean they smashed us was it four one on the second day of the season, so you have to give them credit for that. But I think because I can see you know minute one to ninety, I think I've only got to judge on the home performances really. I think Barry, that's one of the games where Swindon started off terribly and I think. Very well, all right, but I think that was a game that Swindon lost rather than very well. I think Swindon was sort of all over the place in the beginning. MK Dons, you know, I don't think they were outstanding. Again, they're quite decent, but Swindon managed to make a point, so I don't think that was undeserved or, or anything like that. And Tramir, again, a bit of linking tough to judge because they you know they raced into a two-nil lead. That's probably the best team out of that four I saw. They did well, but of course that stupid cheaper sending off, you know, sort of sort of chucked the chips the game for them and Swindon get a three-two win out of it. So again. They were good for, what, the 20, 25 minutes it was, all that so. And, uh, and yeah, it wasn't brilliant from then on. And, and the other teams, I think, crew were quite good. But, again, it was like Berry where Swindon sort of chucked it. And then there was, uh, I think there were more games where since Swindon were not very good rather than other teams uh, being brilliant in the games that Swindon lost. They could kind of go on to be, yeah, I don't think there's any real surprises and who uh, went up from those. For most displays
1: so what were the secrets if any for danny cowley ryan Lowe, paul tisdale and mickey mellon
0: i think they're, they're, they're all pretty fortunate of, of decent budgets for for what is league two i mean league two as we as we know isn't you know one put bunch of chucking money in it i think man's sort of given the answer to that and Ak- akerton from the other end of it so yeah i think it's not a massive surprise that the likes of mk and lincoln and Barry are all up there but yeah they're, they're all clearly quite good managers and Hopefully, Swindon can emulate that success this season or next season, rather.
1: And let's talk about the the opposition players. Which players stood out for you in the games that you saw?
0: Again, the home games wasn't wasn't too many where so someone absolutely tore us to pieces. But I think this will be one where I've benefited from my follow-up and crew away. I think Callum mainly, he he sort of terrified me every time he was on the ball. So he looked he looked a real prospect and another one-off. You know, Crew's seemingly never-ending conveyor belt of youth academy talent. So that's one to be. I'll be looking out for in in years to come and I think you know Lincoln as well I think Shane McCartan's quite good and scored that extraordinary goal which was kind of a tough mix-up but I think we'll give give him the credit for that so yeah again I don't think there's anyone that really you know destroyed us but apart from the uh, some of the teams themselves. Paul Mullins'
1: Tramia Rovers did brilliantly as we've discussed but he wasn't a key component you could say Um, certainly not anything that makes me feel envious that we lost him while Matt Preston went to Mansfield and he didn't quite make it to league one ultimately it's safe to say that those who left swindon in the summer of 2018 well we don't regret that they leave- left were there any players that that you thought oh it would be good if we had this player still in the side
0: yeah no, again no, i don't think so i think obviously we offered a contract to preston that that do player i think we don't want him still here but if he rejects it then we're not going to sort of cry over it it happens and he got what was a decent move for a bit until they sort of lost it on the final day but um but yeah it wasn't it's a player we'd like to have but you know nothing you can sort of have to do with that I think that most of the release players if not all of them they were sort of like the ends of the relegation season under Williams and Co and uh and some of Flipcroft's not as good signings that we got rid of so I don't think there's any regrets there Paul Mullins one that I, I agreed with at the time I think he's quite a limited player and wasn't someone I was massively disappointed with I think I was kind of on my own I think a lot of people like Mullins for his work rate but mm-hmm. You know the more, the more I think of Well, I think he'd quite see Welland quite well he, the one thing Paul Muland was was like a you know a keen runner and he, he did, did, did get the odd goal so i think 'd be uh, I think Welland would like him a lot yeah i do 't think he 's a a huge loss, but someone who might have been useful under a different manager
1: yeah, I agree moving on Yeovil's demise isn 't exactly the biggest shock in the world, but Notts county servers. What well, is almost a yearly reminder that budget, crowd size and squad potential can mean diddly-squat in League Two.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, obviously, you know, money can go a long way in football, but it's it's not the be-all and end-all. You need decent managers and, you know, chairman who get the right players and that sort of thing. And Wellens was saying... Uh, if he was given two, two and a half million for a budget, then he'd uh, get promoted. So I think it's two million that's quoted in the advert uh, a few weeks ago. So we'll see if that 500 grand makes a, a huge difference next season. And finally, on the
1: on the division, David Flickcroft, Swindon Town. Flee to Mansfield in 2018 ultimately failed after his Mansfield were downed by Newport in the playoff semi-finals. They had a better sw- season than Swindon, uh, that's for sure, but it didn't stop town fans from showing their delight when Newport went through. Yeah, it was a massive shame, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. <laughs>
2: Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside.
1: Let's have a look at some of the stats uh, regarding Swindon Town in 2018-19. So, 46 games played, 16 won, 16 drawn, 14 lost. Our home form and away form were very similar. Home form of 1-8, drawn 9, lost 6. Away form of 1-8, drawn 7, lost 8. Looking at the points breakdown, we just... We were consistent at being inconsistent by the looks of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got these in front of me via the email that you sent, as, as always. And uh, if you want two pictures of mid-table, then I've got them right in front of me. It's <laughs> just like looking in, you know, a symmetrical mirror or something. They are very much, you know, very samey, very sort of all right, but not brilliant. So, yeah, this is very mid-table and... Uh... Points don't lie, as they say.
1: Yeah, let's go through it. So, August 8 points gained from 15, September 8 from 15 again, October 4 from 18, November 6 from 12, December 6 from 15, uh, January 7 from 15, February 7 from 9. March 10 from 18, April the killer, 4 from 18 and maximum points in that one game in May. Um, on Twitter, Batch observes that it was a kind of season where we seemed to be quite close to the playoffs at times, but you knew it was an optical illusion after watching us play.
0: Yeah, yeah kind of. I, th- I think it's, I think, again, we said it so many times on this podcast, it was just, you know, well and sort of figuring out for a long time. I, I do think they could have made it. Um, I, I, don't, I think April really was crap. I don't think there's any, any way of getting away from that. I think as much as I like Wellens, there were a, a few games where, you know, you just needed that extra goal or, you know, a, a better Robinson finish to, to separate, you know, or to, to make it one point, uh, you know, sorry, three points instead of one and that sort of thing. But yeah, I think, I, I think be, there'll be more of a, a better go for the next season. You know, Power said in the past that he, he was tempted to go for Wellens in the summer, but, you know, gave Brown his word and, I think if he gave well in the whole season, he probably would have got top, top seven at least. But you know, it is what it is. <laughs> to uh, quote this famous phrase, and uh, yeah, I think I think we'll see better things next season. But I've said that two seasons in a row now. I think Darren
1: Galbraith highlights post-Bury away by saying that he thought Town were going to make a big push for the playoffs but it was the exact opposite. A huge summer awaits, but we cannot afford to get it wrong again. Um, the question to you is very much, where did it all go wrong?
0: That last sentence looks like, uh, you know, an always study in Philadelphia quote or something. We cannot afford to get it wrong again. The gang get it wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how we go in the summer. But, um, yeah, I, yeah I'm, I'm still quite optimistic. I think... It's it's been quite rare that a linked to you know a, a good chunk of players in what late May. So um, so yeah, hopefully at least a couple of those get over the line and Wellens gets the squad he wants, and uh, finally we can we can make a real push for it. But, um, but yeah, I think a lot of the season did flat to deceive. Sadly,
1: why has the county ground over the last couple of years become an easier place for the opposition to get points?
0: I, I think it might be due to you know even though it's not as likely. Exactly chocker during during um games it's still one of the bigger grounds in league two teams might say as their sort of their sort of cup final if you like to use a a, a crap but much needed cliche so i, I think um but that, that could have a factor i think the next question i can see on the scene was are the fans not helping matters i think the uh the atmosphere can get a bit toxic at times and you can tell i think especially during the uh the relegation season, like every time the fans sort of turn, you know, a goal would follow about like, two to five minutes later. So I think that can that can get into players' heads, but you know, I think you need better players to, to to deal with that sort of criticism. But you know, I think there there are certainly uh, the kind of guard is is a lot easier for a lot of teams these days and hopefully that who do along with many others can be can be sorted sooner rather than later.
1: Do you honestly think Swindon are big enough for us to be the uh, the cup day sort of sort of match?
0: I, I'm not sure. I don't think I think it... We're not we're not huge, obviously, but I think you know a, a team like I don't know Morecambe or formerly Over and things like that play in front of the, you know a handful of thousand every week come to a you know, fifteen capacity ground and that can be that can be quite newish for them even though they've done it quite a few times. Now I think that that can sort of have an impact, but yeah, I don't think I don't think we're um, it's it's not like Galatasaray or anything like that, but um, but yeah, we're. We'll, we'll, uh, there can be multiple reasons why yeah, the kind of ground is not exactly a fortress, but I cannot name uh, or I cannot put my finger on, on what exactly is the issue.
1: OK, there were two managers over the season, of course, Phil Brown and Richie Wellens. You could argue that both of them had their contribution in our downfall monthly wise because October under Brown and April under Wellens were the the two months that really seemed to hit us hard, both of them four points from 18. Uh, Phil Brown's record um, over all games was play 22, uh, won seven, drawn six, lost nine. And Richie Wellens is 30, won 11, drawn 10, lost nine as well. What did the management do right over the season, if anything?
0: I think... Phil Brown had the right ideas. I think it was it was a move away from flick off. But I don't think it was quite as drastic as was needed. I think you know there was there was a move to four three three, and it was it was better to watch. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't you know Barcelona or Liverpool or something, but it was it was a lot better. And I, I think um, you know even though the results didn't quite follow, and the performances are quite good. I think Phil Brown's main problem was probably transfer market related. I think you know he, he didn't get. A new left back. I think. I think not many people would have expected Taylor to be the starting left back getting into the season. He was with, you know, back backup, and Noel was the only right back. So if anything ever happened to Noel, then someone else had to get right back. I remember, Wolfenden got a few, got a few shifts at the beginning of the season, and uh, I think striker as well. I think he went with he went all in on Mark Richards with sort of Adebayo coming in as backup, and that was really it. So, you know, when those when those goals didn't quite flow, or they're relying on Michael Doughty penalties for a lot of the early part of the season, that that sort of restricted them and. It wasn't until January where you know Robertson came in and got the uh, got the goals that that he that he needed that um that sort of got town sort of flirting with playoffs again. I think the, the damning month for Brown was that October me, and only scored one goal and that wasn't from open players and Matt Taylor free kick, so that sort of was the end for him. So so yeah, I think um a lot of transfer market um going wrong was probably the weakness of Brown. I think you know, Wellens was on the right track, he was doing quite well and clearly Not all of the players are quite suited to his philosophy quite as yet. The the players he brought in in January sort of improved, Swindon quite a lot. I think Carroll, Robinson, Bennett, etc., all sort of impressed and uh, they all did well. But clearly, it wasn't an entire eleven that that were made for Wellens. So there were times that just came up a a bit short. But you know, like I said already, loads of times on this podcast alone that you know, hopefully when we've had a full summer and Wellens has got. The squad needed to for his um, for his style of play. Then we can get more of what Wellens uh, will be like. Full Wellens ball, if you wish. Um, so, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see there. But I think you know Wellens was just sort of a fixer up really, for for Brown not doing quite as quite as what was needed in the transfer market. But I think it was a, a kind of a step in the right direction. Maybe just a different man would have would have been a bit better.
1: Yeah, our pal Batch also noted that uh, he had to order himself some humble pie as Wellens exceeded his very low expectations. But the sum, as you said, uh, will ultimately decide whether Wellens has proved Batch right or wrong. Uh, statistically, as we've discussed, there wasn't much between Brown and Wellens, but what did Wellens do that made many town fans generally more forgiving?
0: I think it's slightly better to watch. And again, we're on that sort of upward curve kind of in terms of, in terms of entertainment factor. And, you know, you can see that Wellens has got the same amount of draws, uh, sorry, same amount of losses as Brown with with eight more games. So a few losses have become draws. So that's that's one, you know, sort of movement into the right direction. I think the problem that's got to be sort of cut out is how sort of streaky the under Wellens, as you said in the podcast before, would be like, you know, three wins in a row and then no win in five, etc. So, So that needs sorting. But I think Wellens is endearing himself with how much better town are to watch. And I think his heart-on-the-sleeve comments Although some of them backfire a bit, I think generally he, he's quite well-liked due to how sort of open and honest he is in, in some of his um, presses, even if some of them are a bit brutal to um, set members of playing stuff.
1: Do you think Richie Williams was too early in being resigned to another season in League 2?
0: I think he's kind of flip-flopped on this to be honest. I think I think that when he came in he was sort of like nah, we're just seeing what we're doing until the end of the season and then once we did sort of get to March and April it was like, oh yeah, we're, we're trying to go for the playoffs now, and that sort of thing and then when it didn't happen, he was just saying he went back to, yeah, I didn't think we were going to get there. So I think he might have overcommitted early on saying, yeah, we're not, we're not interested in it or we're not, we're not you know, aiming for it directly. Um, but I, I do think he's kind of flip-flopped and, and uh, sort of gone with the wind on, on what his you know opinions is. But uh, I think apart from that, I think everyone kind of knew they, they weren't going to make it, I think, but it just, you know, by the time we got to March and April, it was, it was kind of on. So, you know the the momentum kicked on a bit, but I don't think Spindon were ever looking like proper, you know, uh, promotion challenges, But hopefully, you know, with a full season, it looks it looks a lot better. What were your highlights over the season? I think there's a lot of good games. I remember saying on the podcast over August we could, we should just you know end the season now because there were so many brilliant games over that over that month of you know the the craziness that was Macclesfield in the last two, the last five minutes of Macclesfield and. All of Kuali were never playing with with nine men for for how long it was and conceding the hundredth minute. So there was definitely some crazy games, and I think there was some brilliant moments with, with Wellens's philosophy that that you know got some got some better games. I think probably Steven, is probably my favourite night of the season, where you know two youth academy players you know got their moments in the sun or dark rather in the, in that on that Tuesday night. But um, it was although Sol Price is. Uh, career hasn't quite gone to plan since that night is one we can look back on for a long time and say and that was uh that was something to remember and buy in a great night for the academy so that's probably that and max were probably my two favorite games of the season
1: dr bamber's highlight was michael doughty seemingly applying hair gel during the loss against woking although he does concede that it might be a low light as well what were your in your opinion were the miserable bits
0: doughty's hair gel gate is nothing i missed completely due to a. Uh, Due to writing reports and things, so that's uh, some gymnast I am. I miss, I miss brilliant moments such as a guy gelling his hair during a cup tie. I think you can't, you know, really look past that game in general. The working game was obviously a massive low light. If, if Swindon, you know, got playoffs or even promoting, you could have said it was a winner's masterclass to get out of the competition early, but sadly, we can't um do a v- revisionist history on that now, so that's clearly a, a massive low. And I think you'd probably have to look at Cheltenham as well. We still can't win at Wadden Road, and we the scoreline, flute three-two, three is quite flattering in the end. That could have been a lot worse, especially as we're 3 a down at one point. So there's definitely, um, definitely some, some massive lows during the season as well. And what was it was, you know, a quite a standard mid-table finish. So, um, so yeah, yo-yo is probably the uh, most accurate um, word you can use to describe that.
1: And let us not forget that this season you discovered that using the term Wellens ball is neither big nor clever.
0: No, but I'm going to keep doing it. Just to annoy people now. So uh, I'm, am fully on board with, with uh, Wellens ball. Let's do it.
2: Sirens, little flick, Stroud. What a good shot! What a tremendous goal! What a tremendous goal by Kenny Stroud. The shot of the season here at the County Ground.
1: Okay, we're going to have some fun now. Well, I'm going to have some fun. What I, what we've done is we've come up with some. Low Strangers podcast end of season awards an alternative if you will but I'm sure we agree with the majority in places we did this Ben I think sometime between mid and late April and I cannot stress this enough it's just a bit of fun guys
0: RIP your mentions when this goes out, probably.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first award is the Adam Virgo Award for Biggest Villain. There are no nominees, just winners this year. Maybe we'll do a bigger job of it next year, but we simply didn't have the time. And the winner is, we've gone for Forest Green Rovers for putting preemptive stars on their shirts for achievements yet to be accomplished. I've got to be honest, I saw that and thought, ugh, you're horrible. <laughs>
0: It was more than a bit cringe. I think not only because it it wasn't done yet, but I think stars for promotions is a bit is it rich. Normally you see stars for you know World Cups and Champions League, so you know getting out of non-league due to some a decent enough budget was I don't think is star worthy, and especially once uh, you've only half coloured in one or left one black or whatever the hell it was. So um, yeah, very cringe. And uh, luckily they stayed down for another year.
1: It's, it's a
0: sort of suggestion of how this season has gone, where I haven't
1: finished a game hating an opposition player you know it's just been maybe like crew when they won that they, they were so morally outraged with a few referee decisions and things like that that was a bit funny more than anything but there really wasn't a massive villain really
0: no the only sort of other name would be off, but he, he bugged it up on the last day so yeah I'm calling him a hero now just it's quite funny to watch him fail so uh, I don't think was the biggest hero in this but Joe Day would be a late nomination for uh, for that the next award is the Withdean Award for Worst Moment.
1: I promise not every award is named after that night in 2004. And the winner for this goes to Woking in the FA Cup.
0: Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth, though, of uh, these, that night that clearly haunted you so much that the, <laughs> two of these awards are named after it. But, um, but yeah, there's no, there's no getting away from the fact that Woking was the lowest of the low. I mean... Uh, as much as FA Cup shocks, it's funny. And I haven't been shocks in a long while. And uh, this is still a really bad one. And what was a, a massive, you know, opportunity missed of, of getting into the uh, the third round and what would have been a you know decent tie at home to Watford in the end. So, uh, you know, we could have completely changed history with maybe knocking Watford out and denying them their final. But um, lucky they got Woking instead, and they could beat them, whereas we really couldn't. So yeah, a very a very crap afternoon at the kind of game Yeah,
1: and let's not forget that Woking sixth tier, not fifth, they're fifth again now. They got promoted. So a great year for them. And the fact that an ex Swindon player scored the goal as well. But the worst thing I think for
0: me is yeah, like you said, it didn't really it feels like we got away with it a little bit because it just didn't seem that bothered. You know, social media was the same as it always is and it was a a measurable <laughs> day but we've we've had um we've had so many of these now, they all sort of blend into one mm. and we've had Nakersfield twice and you know now working and all sorts of things. So um so yeah. I hate the FA Cup to be honest the next award is the Milan Mison disappearing act award
1: and the winner for that is Martin Smith
0: yeah not one I've, I've figured out yet I think he must be so bad in training or whatever it must be there must be something going wrong with, with Martin that, that got him so bombed out I think he was alright at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season I, I quite liked him a lot and then uh you Know it suddenly, you know, he's, he's bombed up by Brown, and Wellens came in and, didn't, and gave him that one game against Carlisle, and that was that was the last of him. So, so yeah, uh, <laughs> Martin Smith, where art thou? Next up is the Rich Pullen
1: Award for Worst Shot on Goal, and the winner for this is Dion Conroy versus Port Vale.
0: Yeah, good riddance, Dion Conroy. <laughs> um, more, more on that later, but yeah, it was a really bad day. <laughs> the Port Vale game was horrible. It was uh, what should have been a, a nice occasion celebrating, you know, a, a momentous landmark of the 1969 achievements and uh, instead it was a very blowy, boring game at the Ground, and summed up by Dion Conroy's free kick from what seemed like, you know, 40 yards plus had just sailed harmlessly into the town end, if not the car park. So, yeah, it was uh, a miserable day all around and uh, not exactly Dion Conroy's best free kick, which he hasn't scored yet and might never in a swimming shirt. We're going positive for the rest of these awards. Next, the Stadio San
1: Paolo Award for best moment. And the winner, it's the opening day of the season. It's injury time versus Macclesfield Town.
0: Yeah, probably not ideal, the best moment to come on the day. But still, it's, it's not often you see, um, you know, two penalties in, in injury time. So, uh, and this is the sort of thing you'd, happen, you'd expect to happen against Finland rather than force Finland. So, um So, yeah, no, it, it was a brilliant start to the season and... Uh, some nice opening day limbs and when everything was sunny and looked bright at the kind of ground or hope for promotion but uh, sadly not, but it was nice of Macclesfield to provide us with two um, last gas winners as of the, as of the, over the course of the season so so yeah, nice that they stay up and hopefully we'll get two more next season The <laughs>
1: next award is the Spirit of 69 award for best team performance and we've gone for the 2-0 win over Forest Green Rovers at home our anti-Forest Green Rovers agenda continues <laughs>
0: Yeah, I don't even dislike him that much, but oh. that kit was bad, and uh, this performance was good. So, um, so, so yeah, I think this is probably Wellens's probably best tactical display in, for Swindon so far. I mean, it, I was quite interested with how Forest screen would approach it, and they, I think, they did quite well. They they tried to play it from the back and sort of get get through Swindon, they couldn't really because Swindon's midfield and defence was quite good. And then you know, two quick fire goals sort of got, got Swindon you know, two it up, and uh, it was a, a nice, comfortable performance for, in the end for Swindon, and. Uh, not often you expect to, to you know, do that well against a team that, although it is, it is a decent performance from, from swimming for a team that um am on the chase pack for a lot of the season and uh, and got to the playoffs. So, yeah, nice, nice, comfortable win against a decent outfit.
1: Next is the Peter Bresovan Award for Best Individual Performance in a Game. We've already mentioned it. We've gone for Sol Price versus Stevenage.
0: Yeah, maybe um, <laughs> highlight on individual. I think <laughs> we only got the one from Sol, but it still was a, a fantastic night and... Again, not often you see someone score 18 seconds into their senior debut and, and then he obviously got a nice um, second one later on in the game. So, yeah, a, a wonderful night for Seoul in and, and, and a good win for Swindon. And again, it looked like things were very bright for Seoul, Price, and hopefully he gets more moments like that at a different club. Sadly, it didn't work out for him in the end, but um, a night everyone can look back on with a lot of fondness, I think.
1: Let's talk goals now. So, the Rory Fallon Award for Best Goal. Now, the club have recently, on social media, put their four nominations through for the best goal. We've not gone with any of them. We've gone for Luke Wolfenden versus Colchester United.
0: Yeah, it's not exactly, um, you know, a 30-hour blockbuster or something, but I think the, the build-up to this was really good and more of what we can hopefully see under Wellens going forward. It was some, some lovely build-up player and a, a fantastic um, surging pass by name-redacted, uh, formerly known as Dylan Conroy, and... Um, but yeah, this is one that got a lot of got a lot of love on social media after the, after the game, and I think during that week really of how well they were playing for that, and uh, again a brilliant cross by James Dunn as well. And Luke, Luke Wolfen's header was somewhat fortunate, but I think it was a really nice team move rather than a you know, one that's for the highlight reels. But um, yeah, a, a goal I'll, I'll look back on and, uh, and watch quite a few times, I think. Next is the
1: Fjortoft Airlines Award for Best Goal Celebration. It's my highlight of the season. It's Theo Robinson and Kane Woodery's Stone Cold Stunner versus Knox County on the last day. That's right, my highlight was in the injury time on the last day of the season.
0: <laughs> yeah, a very late entry from uh, for this award, but um you can't not love... Uh, two players doing a random wrestling move for, uh, for a celebration, and uh, hopefully we see more of um, Phil Robertson and Camerarius bromance next season. But um, yeah, a lovely, a lovely moment in uh, what was utter misery for the other team. Lovely all round. And you missed it. Yeah, too busy following about three reports at once. So um, even the good bits I miss. That's how, that's how lucky I am with this club. It's interesting point you make. Actually, I don't know how I'd feel if I was
1: stood in the Stratton Bank. Watching my team get relegated from the football league for the first time in its history, and watching two people, two
0: grown adults, doing a wrestling move. They probably want to get want to get out, to get out of the division after that. They'd probably like to see the back <laughs> of it after, after that non-league proper football, no nonsense. <laughs> Next up is the Fraser Digby Award for best save. Lawrence Vigaroux, sweeper keeper, versus Mansfield Town. Yeah, sadly, uh, great podcast with, with the boy Vigarou. And uh, I, I enjoyed his time here, but sadly that is coming to an end. But yeah, um, I don't think there was many stunning saves. I think there's, there's a few by McCormick in the Morecambe game, I think. But I don't think there was many across the course of the season that I can remember. I think this one stood out for me, though. Sadly, there's no footage of it that um, the EFL have not put on the highlight video. But Mansfield were clean for on goal at the Canning Ground. Last minute of the game, and Vigarou, who was got grief and foot off for being a sweeper-keeper, did some brilliant sweeper-keeping and cleared the danger. So, no goal for Mansfield, no win, and uh, we'll take the boring nil or we'll draw in the end. But a superb bit of uh, Lawrence Vigory doing Lawrence Vigory things uh, against against uh, his arch nemesis.
1: The next three, the final three awards are the big ones. And again, I remind you, it's just a bit of fun. Next up is the Philip Cuervo Award for most underrated player. We've given it to Kyle Noyle.
0: Yeah, we got a bit lucky here. I think. Um... For a lot, a lot of part of the season, he was sort of in conversation of player of the year award. But luckily, he came second and by quite a big percentage in, in the end. I think Darcy got about forty percent, and Nol got only got about seventeen. So we can just about, um, you know, deny, um, sorry, defend this now that he is the most underrated player. I think it was, it was good for noel to get that at least be in the conversation for player of the year. But I think it's a, sh- a shame that someone that you know was you know you, you sort of seven out of ten every week wasn't um, didn't get the award where you know Darcy missed. So much for the season. So a lot of love for the Kyle Noel, but um, hopefully he doesn't go to bloody Cambridge. But <laughs> again, more on that in a minute. But yeah, hopefully, um, hopefully we get more Noel. Maybe not looking likely.
1: Penultimate award now is the Alan McLaughlin Award for most improved player, and this is in comparison to the season before because we've given it to James Dunn.
0: Yeah, I think um, he would have been first on many of the list of get rid of at the beginning of the season. He, he really did change his game and sadly it wasn't enough for him to win a contract. He was completely unrecognisable from, from last season. and I think uh, James Dunn deserves a lot of credit even if he doesn't deserve a, a new contract, clearly. But I think he's very proud of his efforts from uh, from the season just gone.
1: I think his Swindon Town career was encapsulated by that goal and sending off. Was it against Crawley?
0: Yeah, a lot of effort to score a slide tackle. I think that's always... Uh, <laughs> A goal I very much enjoyed. You don't, I don't often see that either. And then it, it was a, a of red card, um, which sort of summed up his his, his his the season before. So so yeah, it was a uh, the two sides of James Dunn in about half an hour, whatever it was. It was um so yeah, it was a a mixed a mixed two years for Dunn, but at least he ended on the, the relative high.
1: And finally, the Don Rogers Award for best player. We've gone Carl Noyle.
0: Yeah, I doubt he missed too much of a season. I think it, he was. He was good and a lot of. Penalties that should have been crucial penalties were um, sadly not in the end, but he still, still scored them and did well. But I'm going for Noel as the uh, the better player because I don't think we see, you know, pe- people obviously his old get much credit. Whereas it's always the you know the creative feelers or the strikers that get the end of the season awards, as it's proved again. So, so yeah, we like Noel for the next few weeks at least.
1: Indeed, we do, and I fully expect Doughty to be our Player of the Year next year. That's my challenge to him, if he's listening. Um, it was a great effort when he was playing, but I think Noyle was the most consistent, and he played the majority of it. So that's why we've given the award to him. But if if Doughty stays, he stays fit, he's going to be an absolutely key player in twenty nineteen twenty.
0: Yeah, it should be, and hopefully, uh, it all, all seems to go for promotion. We're not we're not sort of scrambling for a. A difficult Player of the Year choice, of, as we have, you know, the last two seasons with, with Taylor and Doughty, and uh, we're not giving it to, uh, you know, a goalkeeper because we've, we've conceded that many goals and, and not scored that many at, at the other end. So, so yeah, hopefully we get a good Player of the Year um, winner and one that scores, you know, 30 goals or you know, sensation throughout the whole season. It's
1: of the end of season review is the report card where I again stitch up Ben um, to provide us a academic grade so to speak to each player who has played more or five or more times. Swindon over the season will go in the order of their squad numbers so first up is friend of the pod Lawrence Vigaru. he was absolutely brilliant in his um, podcast episodes he, it was all done within a matter of hours fantastic I thought he put his point across very well and he was very honest and you have given him a B grade I will say though many listeners will consider a B grade very generous
0: I will offer this early disclaimer that a lot of these well, I'm sure many people would have liked sort of C's across the board and d's for what is a very average season, but you know i've I've put a few B's in there just because I think some of them do merit and some just we need to liven us pick up up a bit if we're not having the same grade for everyone and there's i think i've got, I've given one a out which people have already- already guessed so um so so yeah there's a few marks that people might like might not like in here, but um I'll try and justify them as best i can but um but yeah I've gone for Vigor as a b I think. It wasn't stellar, wasn't wasn't a or anything fantastic, but I think um, I think it's still a good season for him when he was on the pitch. I think sadly he doesn't get forty six games, only the thirty one due to international call ups and that end of season wobble uh, as Viggur does what Viggur does. But um, generally, I think his performances are good. I think there was one sort of month we did where we were sort of analysing a few a few shots that he might have could have done better with, but I think most of them he was actually fine. It was just you know a dodgy angle or deflections and that sort of thing but generally i think it was another solid season so i, I plumped for Vigory for a b but um i'm sure i'll uh, mute notifications for this podcast when when it goes out at
1: underscore ben wills <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, next up as we've already discussed so we don't need to go into huge amount of detail with this one it's kyle noyle and as you've mentioned it's an a grade in the context of the season.
0: Yeah, I had to give someone an A, and you know, I might as well give it for my, my player of the year. And I think the, the only reason, I, I, I think one of the amazing reasons I did give Nolan an A was, I couldn't really think of what he could really do to, you know, get, bomb that up much, much more. I think maybe get a few assists, but he, he plays full back rather than wing back. So I think there is work to do on his crossing, but is it, is it really his fault? That he's not getting that many assists. I don't really think so. But yeah, as I said, just a very solid performance throughout the, throughout the season. And, uh, not often you see a right-back in sort of player of the year, it's just, as we said. So, yeah, I think I think if someone's going to get an A, I might as well give it to uh, our friend Carl Noyle. Michael Doughty
1: played 30 times in all competitions, scoring 13 goals, uh, most of those penalties. Probably the only major what-if of the season. Could it have be been much different had Doughty stayed fit? You've given him a B.
0: Yeah, again, solid from Doughty. Didn't see enough of him, but I can't downgrade a bloke for not playing, really. I don't think it would be... That'd be a bit harsh even for me. But, um, but yeah, sadly, he only played 30 games out of, the, out of the 46. And that's probably one of the main reasons time didn't get top seven, because they were missing such a key player for um for, for a lot of the season. So so yeah, very good season for Vidal I think he justifies that B, but again, I'll find out in two days' time.
1: Next up is Jack McCourt. He played 30 times and scored one goal. Um, you've given him a D grade. I think Jack came in and did the exact job that he was supposed to do. And that was to ultimately act as cover sort of the Donald McDermott of the season.
0: Yeah, he's exactly that, I think. He, he did um, He did well in his shifts, but it wasn't, you know, again, it wasn't stellar and it wasn't awful. So I just thought I'd, I'd plump with a, a D rather than a C. But I, yeah, I, I don't, I've don't. i got no sort of animosity towards McCourt. He did what he's supposed to do. You know, got a decent one-year contract. And was kind, he kind of flirted for a new one for a bit. But I think, you know, well into change of information didn't help him. But, yeah, it's solid for McCourt. And, uh thanks to the uh, the late late winner at macclesfield
1: now i was tremendously smug about my prediction of tramier rovers going up well it may have backfired really because next up is sid nelson who played 24 times for swindon uh very much liked by the fans it's a b grade
0: yeah again very solid displays from nelson proper old-fashioned more head anything center back which i think a lot a lot of people like of course and Sid Nelson often found bleeding uh, during games, and especially in that Tramia playoff final, he was, he was sort of heading everything and did a good display there. So, so yeah, one one that Swindon missed quite a lot. I think Broadbent came in and did okay, but clearly wasn't the replacement that Swindon needed. And, and a lot of people want Nelson back and now he's a free agent. So um might, might be unlikely, but I think that shows how he deserves that. That big grade. a very good season from the former Millwall man now.
1: The skipper is up next, Ollie Lancashire. Hasn't worked out for him as we discussed in the uh, released and retained episode from a couple of weeks ago. But it turns out he wasn't as injured as we all thought he was. It's an E
0: grade. He wasn't. He wasn't very good last season. He, he wasn't better at all. Really, in, in in his second season, you know what, what seemed like an injury turned out to have not be an injury. But I don't think anyone was really clamoring for Lancashire to be around things because you know the the, the four centre backs over the course of the season were. were all quite good, if not if not brilliant. So, so yeah, the the club cups and wasn't really anywhere near things, and uh, couldn't shake off that that bad season he had last season. So, um, so yeah, I don't think as a I, I couldn't give Lancashire anything more than that. Really, I, he played more games than I thought he did when I I sent this email. But um, but yeah, I think it wasn't wasn't anything that great great from Lancashire. Jermaine
1: McgLashen ended the season away on loan at Wrexham. It's a very low grade for Jermaine. It's an F. Uh, he went out with a bang at Macclesfield away with the assist. Oh, that made me feel a little bit sad for him.
0: i, I feel sorry for Jermaine, but I've got, I think, again, I think I've got to give some Fs here. and I'm not giving Jermaine McClashen that assist from Macclesfield either. He, he was a, headed across goal by Ben Howe, so I'm giving that to him. But still, that was a great move from Jermaine in one of few, but um, that, that's kind of the epitome, really. We, we, we didn't see nearly enough of a surging run from someone with so much pace and to start counter-attacks and that was the only one really and I think his, his only direct assist that I will give to him is one against uh, York in the FA Cup so I, again I think it's really poor that a winger didn't score in all, all competitions and got a maximum of two assists but I'm only giving him one so yeah I can I can really justify anything higher than an F for Jermaine McClashon sadly and made worse by the fact he's on a two-year deal as well which doesn't make it ideal that you know they can have a try and get rid of him next season or or he's got to stick around and you know be on the bench for a long period of time where he's clearly not in one well, of his plans so yeah i can't say this chance chancellor went well um at all sadly
1: james dunn is next who was our most improved for the podcast you've given him a b we've talked about dunn's contribution this season but that's a pretty high grade
0: i just thought he deserved so much credit for how little I rated him last season how much more I rated him this season again I think most people probably put him as a C I haven't gone for pluses or minuses so you know if someone asks me and says they should have given him a C plus or something then then I haven't because I haven't, I haven't done pluses and minuses I just thought I'd, I'd give him the upper, upper end so just so this wasn't littered with C's and that sort of thing and I, I was really impressed with how J, uh, James Dunn sort of adapted his game and and was much improved from last season. Don't think he won everyone over, but generally, I think I think most people who, who see week in week out saw that there was you know a much reformed, a much reformed player in there, and I think he'll get a, a decent move, certainly a much better one than he would have got if his release last season.
1: Next up is Mark Richards. Uh, it's an F grade for Mark uh, Richards. Told the Swindon Adver, I hope I'm fondly remembered. Well, he'll be remembered for a hell of a good start the previous season when he signed. But it's a very low grade from yourself on this front.
0: It was a good first five months, I think. Rich is, I think, is kindly kind of struck down by what I said earlier, is that Phil Brown didn't really give him adequate sort of backup support and options. We've only added by Reilly sort of relying on Twine a bit, but not quite so much. I just think, you know, clearly Mark Riches was very good in that first four or five months under Flickcroft and didn't capitalize, uh, you know, at all on on, on the. His second season at Swindon, uh, you know, he, he got a few goals, but and um, was surprised when I saw he out there were the top scorers. But again, it, it wasn't nearly enough for Hunt, who should have been should have been a key player, really.
1: Keshi Anderson's next, who was in the squad throughout the season, playing forty-eight times, and forty of those were starts. Only five goals and a C grade from yourself, Ben. Personally, I still want Keshi to do well at Town, but I do wonder whether we'll see him in a Town shirt again.
0: I think we will get the last year of his contract. I, I think it'd be quite hard to find buyers. Perhaps I don't think I think he's decent. I think he's worth keeping around for that for that final year of his contract. But clearly, we need to see improvement. And uh, as I said a lot of times on this podcast, that you know we'll we'll see it on, in the last year of his contract. And then lose him on a free. But um, yeah, I think he's I think he's okay. But clearly, didn't improve as much as he needed to be. And I can I can justify higher than a C. But I don't think I could justify lower than a C either. Really, because he, he wasn't he wasn't awful. He was just okay. And but, but but okay. Sadly, he isn't good enough for. I think he can be a lot better.
1: Next is a Ben Will's favourite, Steven Alzate. He uh, played 26 times, scoring three goals. You've given him a B, very generous, but he definitely had the potential.
0: I think he's a good he player. I think I think one of the sort of downfalls of Spindon's season was that he wasn't sufficiently replaced. I think Rose is quite good, but clearly not, you know, that creative spark that Swindon needed when Dalton was unavailable, or just that extra to support Dalty a bit further. And I think Alzate was really good and might have been sort of player of the year conversation if he didn't, if he didn't um, got that injury in the, uh, in the second half of the year so yeah I think it was a, a big loss he, he played a big impact in when he was here and uh, I think he could have been uh, very useful if he, if he got the full season out of him. Ellis Ayandalo
1: is next 20 games this season which many of you might find surprising uh, it's an E grade which you know again it's quite low but it's been that sort of season Ellis is now our longest-serving player. He's played or been trained under Cooper, Power, Ling, Williams, Flickcroft, Taylor, Brown and Wellens. This, believe it or not, again, was his best season for starts. But after four seasons, he still struggles to establish himself at town.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a strange one. He, he's never really nailed down a position. He hasn't really... Been exceptional in too many games. I think Barnett away last year is probably, probably the standout where he scored, you know, a very brilliant or fluky free kick, however way you look at it. But yeah, I think this season he got more games and didn't really kick on again. And I'm still not convinced by Eliseo Andlow as a left back, and I haven't seen him enough as a number ten. So it's it's hard to figure out what exactly he is. And uh, yeah, he's just he'll be on the squad again next season, and we'll see if um, he finally makes an impact. But I'm not not holding my breath at this stage. We've discussed the next one.
1: The Great Disappearing Act of 2018-19, Martin Smith thirteen games and
0: out and an E grade. Yeah, it might have been higher if he got more games. I think he he started off okay, but again he just went missing and I couldn't, I couldn't give him higher than an E because uh, you know we didn't see him for you know about two thirds of the season. But I didn't want to give him an F fiver because you know I think he did okay and might have been you know might have been okay if he got more games, but you know evidently not. So yeah, another low grade, sadly.
1: Elijah Adebayo played 30 times for Swindon over the season, scored five goals. Uh, you've given him a D, and again, some people would say that this is quite a generous grade. I did, however, enjoy that late goal against MK Dons.
0: Yeah, I thought I'd give Elijah a bit of benefit of the doubt. I think he wasn't how by being played on the wing a lot. I think even though he only got five goals, I think all of them, if not, sorry, four, if not all of them were you know, quite important. There was he got the only goal against Morecambe. As you said, the, uh, the late goal against Emke Dons. So there's a first against Tram in the 3-2 win, I think. I might have forgotten another one, but I think the, the third against Yeah was the only one that wasn't really important out of his goals, and that was a nice strike. So, I think there's a talent there, but clearly not enough that was that merited keeping him beyond January. And sadly, Stevenage didn't really give him a shot either, but, um, but yeah, I don't think he was helped by you know management, but clearly he was uh, not the best of, of loan signings that Swindon have had in recent years.
1: Ben House was another loan signing. Seemed like an odd one at the time, if you ask me. His main contribution was, I suppose, that, that assist at Macclesfield and annoying the hell out of Crew Alexandra, by winning that penalty. Only one start, along with five substitute appearances. It's an F.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is a, a brutal situation, I think. I think, to be fair, this one is more the transfer of Ben House rather than Ben House himself, because we barely saw... what he was actually... When he actually played, he did it right. I think, as you said, that assist against Maxfield and winning a penalty, you know, two big contributions, most of them with not is isn't bad going, but clearly it's a signing that it was the first striker that was on the mark or whatever it was, and s- suddenly Fear options became available and he was signed as well. So yeah, I, think, I think I've think i graded the transfer more than the player on this one.
1: Canis Carroll is the next player up for grading. 17 appearances, one goal. Oxfordshire's greatest snake, uh, but you can't his contribution to the cause, although he was quite frustrating in his decision making at times, it's a C grade.
0: Yeah, again, it's just an, an okay season, quite good. I think his the you know, limitations there is quite rash and uh, and that sort of thing. And he had that sort of nightmare against Crawley, but I think generally he was he was fine and it was quite fun whenever he did something that annoyed Oxford of fans or, or something. So um, so yeah, it was a, just a, a decent decent loan signing, but nothing spectacular or you know bad. So yeah, just a, a very solid C grade for Kenneth Carroll,
1: Tumani Diagraga, played 15 times for Swindon over the campaign. Uh, it's only an E-grade, which is very low, but surely this is based on the expectancy that we had when he signed.
0: Yeah, again, I think it's, it's like Ben House. I'm sort of grading the transfer rather, rather than the player. I mean, Diagraga Gragas sort of arrived on fit and then got sent off in one of his earlier games and didn't really get in and then got injured again and then couldn't find his way in, in, in under Wellens, so... I think there's a player, I think it's worth giving him another go for it. it's the, second, the second year of his contract, but again, he, he, he was expected to be that sort of linchpin in time fulfilled and clearly didn't get enough games due to multiple different reasons. So a lot of preseason season expectation on, on Diego Argrind, you know, sadly didn't, didn't live up to it, but there might be still something there for the next season. But hopefully he can get a bit more fitter in pre-season and uh, not get set off again.
1: Kane Woolery ended the season with 30 appearances and seven goals and a Ben Wills C-grade next season could be huge for Kane because I think it was pretty good once he was fully fit.
0: Yeah, this is one where I would have liked to have done, you know, pluses and minuses. I think Kane was more of a C plus. I think he was slightly better than Anderson. I think seven goals in all competitions made him spin a joint second top goal scorer. So it is an improvement, but clearly I do think there's another level for Woolery. I think the frustrating thing is I think every goal sort of feels like an awakening. I think you think of you know, it's Bristol his goal uh, last season, where he sort of ran the length of the pitch and uh, and scored, and you think that was that could be the start of it. And then you know, this season we've had like Forest Green from 25 yards and Newport when it was one-on-one the keeper rounded him and scored, and Nuts County where he sort of blistered past people and in, sort in, in the bottom corner. It's just it's frustrating that we only get that sort of like once a month from Wollery rather than rather than weekly or, or even bi-weekly. So I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a better season for Wollery, but there's another October he can go. I think so. A C this time, but hopefully we're pushing B uh, next season if we do this again.
1: Luke McCormick played 21 times as cover for Lawrence Viguru. Uh You've given him a C grade. Many preferred Luke to Viggs over the season. Why was Luke's grade lower?
0: Just because I, I think he did what was sort of expected. He's the backup keeper. Played more than I thought he would, but then you know Viggaru happened. So so um, so yeah. I think I think. He just he just did what he was supposed to do. I think he wasn't quite as good as Vigor in my opinion, but you know, that that's that's what both people people will agree with me and they definitely do, I know that much. But yeah, I think I think Luke was fine, did what he was supposed to do and I think a solid C for, for him, rather than Vigor just that a little bit better, but you know, opinions.
1: Scott Twine played nineteen times in all competitions, scoring twice. A C grade, a decent contribution.
0: Yeah, finally got his first um senior goals with Swindon. Two of them well, both of them important as well. I think uh Steven is to get that extra goal cushion and uh, and you know to to set a few nerves for York for his first one so so yeah decent from Twine sadly not getting much for a bit of water that's concerning me a bit but you know hopefully he gets a more of a crack next season but I'm not quite sure uh, if Wellens has got a secure um ideal position in mind for him so that could that could be a barrier but um, fingers crossed for Scott
1: Joromansky got eight appearances over the season, even scored a goal and he's got himself a C grade and a decent low move to Bath City. Um sort of needed that loan spell, you would say.
0: Yeah, maybe we should have gone for this one as goal of the season. That superb uh, need effort against Tranmere was a, <laughs> a favorite of mine over the course of the season, but yeah, um decent for Romanski. Got a Got for for what he is, you know, you've player playing what was only his first couple of seasons as a pro, and he got a decent number of games. I think eight is not too bad going and there's a lot of centre-back competition as well. So he did okay and, and did well at Bath by what accounts by the looks of it. So, so yeah, I think he can be happy with that and got rewarded with an extra year on his contract. So yeah, I think it, he might find it difficult getting in next season. because Again, there's a lot of centre-back competition and I think more will be brought in as well. So he's got a lot of work to do over the summer to, to get straight into Rollins' plans. But hopefully he can uh, make, make an impact and have another good season.
1: Dion Conroy ended the season as town's captain. He played 30 times, scoring one goal, and he's got himself a B grade for his trouble. He came back from injury to become a pivotal figure.
0: Yeah, I think there's probably a lot of concern. I know I had concerns that there could be another, you know, Jimmy Simmonds White situation here, where he, he did, you know, got pretty much the exact same injury and uh, the exact same position. You think, you know, maybe maybe he won't recover from this because it, it can be an injury which. You know, players are never the same again, but uh, I think Conroy didn't really look um, out of place at any point and didn't look, you know, a- any worse. I think, you know, he still had that, all the attributes that be expected from him. And, uh, and yeah, I think he was, you know, an important figure during the course of the season. So, very impressive Conroy. And uh, I don't think he got injured much this season. I think he mainly found himself out with, you know, Wolf and Dylan, Nelson and you know, doing, doing quite well. But I think he... Again, also, you know, Broadbent came in in January, got a few games, and then Conway worked his bit way back in from that um, against Broadbent. So a lot of um, character and determination shown both the injury and being dropped for a bit to, to fight back and be stronger.
1: Ali Koyke joined on loan and played 15 times, his first 15 games in senior football. A D grade has been given. He made some big mistakes at the wrong times for Swindon.
0: I thought this would be a lot higher grade when I, um, you know, the first couple of games, I think he got an assist early on against Trummy and that looked like, you know, town sort of left back problems sorted. But yeah, clearly there's a, a player that is, needs to be learning more. There was the crew game where, you know, he made an error for the first one and got subbed after half an hour. Thing and there was another game where he wasn't exactly brilliant. So, so yeah, I think um, there's definitely work to be done there. Whether, whether it's a him with another loan, I, I find that unlikely, but um, his next club might have to um, refine him a bit. But I think maybe if he's played as a wing back rather than a full back, he might be, Might be a lot. He might be quite a lot better because I think that's what suits him more. He's definitely more attacking than he is defensive. But you know, clearly to play more defensive in a in a back four and that sort of exposed him a bit. But um, hopefully, there's a a decent career for him yet.
1: Danny Rose played ten games after joining the club. He got himself a C grade from Ben. But the season was really much... It was kind of like his own pre-season because he's got a lot of expectancy ahead for next year.
0: Yeah, I think, again, he came injured or he got injured very early on into his his time his time at Swindon. Um, but he was good when he did play. Sadly, we didn't see enough of him. But, you know, he, he got a bad injury at Portsmouth, which has sort of hampered him as well. So, hopefully, we haven't got another Michael Doughty situation for next season where, you know, he's good when he's in but not in enough. But, um, yeah, it really impressed me for when he was on the pitch. But, um Hopefully we get more of him next season.
1: Someone we did see a lot of was Matthew Taylor, who played 35 times over the season, scoring three goals. You've given him a C. I don't think even he expected to play as much as he did this year.
0: No, I think we we definitely could have done with a left back at the beginning that wasn't Matt Taylor, but still, I think he did OK. I think everyone knows sort of what Matt Taylor is. I think clearly he's, he's retired now, so was a player coming to the end of his career don't think he disgraced himself in his last year, but he clearly wasn't player of the year conversation again. So an OK season and what was Taylor's last as a professional, which so he can be very, very proud of, them, I think.
1: Luke Wolfenden, probably our most successful of the lone players. He played 36 times, scoring twice. You've given him a B grade, a pretty decent contribution.
0: Yeah, just a solid centre-back again. Same, Same sort of... Vayner's Nelson, you couldn't can't really you know, give him anything anything lower than a B because he just didn't really make any mistakes that I can think of. And it was a general good addition I expect to be um, in it, which is uh, thinking in League One next season he, he should, do, should do well there. So, yeah, just a very solid uh, loan acquisition to get a B from Luke Wolfenden
1: Another defender now and 12 games for Tom Broadbent after he joined from Bristol Rovers. It's a C grade, started very well, but faded away nearer to the end.
0: Yeah, I think there's a player there. They'll be he'll certainly be in, around next season. I think Conroy leaving will help, but you, you, you'd expect some someone to be uh, to be brought in to to compete with that. But I think Broadbent is clearly a, you know, a decent signing, very much of the uh, the Wellingtons mould. I think and and should be uh, good for Lee Two level. I think he, he proved it during his uh, during his own, own couple of months at the club.
1: Theo Robinson played 16 times, scored seven goals, which sounds fantastic. You've given him a great grade of B, despite your apparent semi-criticising
0: yeah well my Robertson thing is more I don't think it's I don't think it's sustainable I think that's the, that's the main issue I've, I've had but there's no going away from the fact his his um his only um five months at Swindon were um were, were good I mean only the month of April really we really didn't only scored I think once or twice wasn't wasn't good enough and Swindon kind of you know that's that's kind of a turning point but generally 7 and 16 is a good ratio but um which deserves a big grade it's just you know the sustainability is where I am sort of talk about him uh, being critic- criticising on this podcast. But, um, but yeah, no, a good a good start for him. Hopefully we get him back. Uh, we'll see more more um, nice wrestling celebrations in, in the near future.
1: A B for Robinson and also a B for our final player of this segment, Kyle Bennett, who played 15 times, scoring four goals. A B grade for some meandering around the pitch, which ultimately made him quite popular nearer to the end there.
0: Yeah, a few of those goals were a bit... More than fortunate, a few definitely a few um, goalkeeper errors in there from those long range strikes. But still, I think this is a a player that you know we got an insight into what Wellens wants to do with the team, and clearly he knew Bennett well from Doncaster, and you could see it. And uh, so yeah, impressive during his, his first period of the club, and you know a lot of people want him back, which uh, which again speaks volumes. So yeah, a decent season from Bennett. If he if he was here the whole season, probably I've been pushing maybe pushing A and you know of the conversation, but. You know, you can't really give it based on based on five months' work. So, yeah, a nice, um, solid B, thought was a short period for Bennett. We're
1: never going to do this segment if we have a Decanio Canio-era season.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure how many players have gone through, but Carl Bennett got the uh, kit number of 37. So this has been a, a big squad and, uh, you know, it takes a lot of time to go through each player individually and give them a grade. So hopefully i get some slack for that, for some of the grades being probably disagreeable.
1: And an honourable mention for Sol Price for those two goals against Stevenage and the ungraded players along with Sol were Jacob Bancroft, Cameron McGill, Taylor Curran, Jordan Edwards, Jordan Young, Chris Robertson, Will Henry and Archie Matthews. Sorry guys, but you just didn't play enough or at all.
0: Yeah, we set a benchmark of five, I think. It's kind of harsh on Sol Price that he arguably did more than Ben House but still didn't you know, play enough games. But, uh, but still, we uh, set a very strict criteria and uh, I think... I don't think anyone else can be filled, you know, just of not getting a, a couple of sentences because, you know, Robertson didn't play and, uh, you know, there's a few that only played a handful. So, um, so yeah, sorry soul, but, you know, it's, it's a good game anyway.
2: Park in! 1-0 Swindon Town! Thoroughly deserved opening goal!
1: Okay, the next segment is the tenure of Lee Power. That was his fifth full season as Town's owner. It's gone as thus... 2015 ended with a 4th place finish in League 1. 2016 a 15th place finish in League 1. 2017 ended with a 22nd and relegation place in League 1. 2018 9th in League 2. And 2019 it's ended 13th in League 2. Something that we've heard a lot recently, a very common rhetoric has been the phrase sign of how far we've fallen. And it's a phrase that... Well, frankly, I don't need to be told. I don't need to be told that Kyle Noyle being linked to Cambridge United or Salford City's promotion or being in the division below Fleetwood is is a sign of how far we've fallen. All I need to see is that we finish 13th in League 2. You don't finish 13th in League 2 purely with bad luck. Bad decisions have been made on the pitch and it's a it's been a pretty slippery old slope for swindon Uh, for the second season running that was our worst finish since 1984 and for those interested 17th was our final position during that orwellian season and heaven forbid we ever beat that finish There's not really much you can say or do to defend the decline on the pitch over the last few years.
0: Much better trigger one on this podcast. That was a quite depressing listen for for a minute or so. Blimey, that was a. Do I need to add anything to that that misery period or not? (laughs) Well
1: there there really isn't anything that i mean we we sometimes get stick for not going hard on the lead power era there's reasons why we don't do that we kind of stay away from the off the pitch stuff cuz frankly we don't know enough and we don't pretend that we know stuff so we're not going to talk about stuff we
0: don't know about but what we do know is that it's pretty shoddy on the pitch this podcast can't happen if you're getting sued so uh, so uh, yeah we need to we just need to be uh, you know wary of, of, of certain things but i think you know, clearly there's clubs that are in much worse positions. I think no one is happy with the situation that Swindon currently find themselves in, but you know, I think as much as people might disagree with some of my stuff I said here, I think a lot of it is down to on pitch rather than off pitch. I think the budget freeze isn't ideal and stuff like that, but it's still better than a lot of the league and but clearly, you know, certain acquisitions or certain managers haven't been quite good enough and that's sort of the reason Swindon is still down here. But um but yeah, um, you, you're sort of damned if you're doing, damned if you done if you don't. If you're a chairman and the the, uh there's been nothing good to show for Lee Power's sort of five years or so at the club now. Yeah, and that budget freeze, it's it's still competitive. Yeah, I think is it, is it two million? It's quoting the other, which should be enough to get out of League Two. I mean, I said Notts County got two and a half and got relegated, so you know it's, it's not. It could be a lot worse, but yeah, it should be two million. Should be enough to to be around the chasing pack. But like I said, I think a lot of Football decisions, a crap term, but one I'll use, is uh, is a reason why promotion hasn't quite been achieved as yet.
1: And what's happening to teams like Bolton Wanderers and Bury and Coventry City, it shows that you can't hide in football. If things aren't being ran as a business, you will get caught out. So I don't know what he's doing, but Power is clearly running this on a very tight budget, but he's not taking any risks, and maybe that's proven detrimental with the football?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if he if he did chuck money on it and the uh, promotion was gained at the expense of, I don't know, administration, I think people wouldn't want that in the grass scheme of things. So as it, grim as, you know, these these you know five seasons of finishes have, have kind of been, at least we're not, you know, on the brink and we've never flirted with it either. I think, you know, it's been a flirt with it a lot in the past. So it's nice to have a break from that, even if the football isn't quite as good as it as we'd all like it to be at this stage.
1: Woody on Twitter asks, with a big section of the fans who are calling for power to leave, who do they think would come in and fund us?
0: A good question. I think the answer to that question is always sort of, you know, given that, you know, you don't know who who buys your house mm-hmm. unless you put it up for sale, but I don't think there's, I'm not sure if there's many, some assets that Swindon are, uh, that you know well off that can be you know bought in sort of a, a project or not maybe the training ground changes that but um and you know the the, the ground ownership and stuff of like that but you know maybe maybe one day a Saudi prince or a Russian billionaire will all it but until then I guess we just sort of have to put up with what we got reluctantly
1: I think the purchase of the county ground along with the training grounds will prove huge for what power wants to do in the future whether that's to stay or go
0: yeah i'd like to think so i think we hope it's a good thing but this, this podcast always has the potential to age terribly and uh, <laughs> we look like you know terrible happy clappers uh, they know nothing about football so um we'll see in a few years i guess but hopefully it's uh something to be to be happy about even if even if the football isn't um what we all want
1: i think it's safe to say that next season yet again is going to be a massive one for Swindon Town I say that cynically because they all tend to be massive ones for Swindon Town it's going to be huge for Lee Power for Richie Wellens and the fans because at the risk of sounding hyperbolic, apathy will turn to protest eventually if the spiral continues
0: Yeah I think I'm just I'm more worried about League 2 next season it looks a lot tougher than it has been in recent years and, you know both the promoted teams will look uh, will be good I think and a good, a good chunk of the relegation teams should be right there again, so hopefully it's not another year of stagnation, but, you know, League Two is often unpredictable, as, we, as we've seen this season with, you know, Notts County, so, so yeah, so yeah, we could, uh, hopefully we'll be up there and get out of League Two, but it's going to be a gonna be a long year, uh, hopefully, at least one year that um that end and get promoted. I do want to be,
1: I do want to show some positivity for the guys behind the scenes because I know there's a vocal section of the fan base who are unhappy with a lot of things and will remain unhappy with a lot of things. And that's their prerogative. I agree with some of those things. But there has to be a separation... Of unhappiness with the owner with those who work at the club and do the day-to-day i've been doing low strangers since 2017 and before started recording the the following year and in that time i have seen an improvement with the engagement with the fans even if it's a small one the social media content has definitely improved and not forgetting that the club was recently given the EFL family excellence status, and that was for the first time since 2012. Seven years, which is remarkable, really, but surely that's a sign that the people behind the scenes are working hard to ensure that there is a fan base in the future because those from the Macari era who stay because they remember that great time when we were good and the people that inherited that that era, like me, who came in during Aussie and Glenn... They're not going to stick around forever, so we need my kids and
0: everybody who supports Swindon's children to inherit the love of the club for us. So there is progress. I think it's one of those things where, it, it, when the football's bad, even the good things the club don't get ignored because they're, they're too focused on the football. And when the football's good, you know, it kind of gets ignored because because you know that they're, they're glad they're glad the football's going well. So I think um, you know as, as much as we, it might not be the, the most um, precedent for among, among people that the backroom team and everyone does deserve credit for that sort of thing but um but yeah, as long as the, um, the football's not great it will go under the radar and, you know it's not the uh, the most important concern for a lot of people but credit does deserve to go to those people that work hard behind the scenes
3: robinson thrashing this one across and cleared only to mark waters can he make room for
2: the shot
1: Okay, let's talk going forward now and let's keep it down to the football. Um, So what we've learned since our last conversation is Will Henry and Joe Romanski have signed up for the new season. But we've also learned, or we're expecting to learn, that Kyle Noyle and Dion Conroy will probably leave. Now, there seems to be room for negotiation for Noyle. He missed the deadline, but Wellens has said he's willing to, to talk to him and maybe renegotiate the contract so a new one is on the table. What's your understanding of all this Malaki?
0: Uh sort of wait and hope I <laughs> think most of it, I think I think Carnor a shame we didn't commit, but I think it's it's always, you know tough when a player's got you know a career stake and clubs are still following us on the retain list and, you know, they're not sure if they want uh, other clubs are not sure if they want Noel or not and Noel's not doesn't know whether he's coming or going. He's got you know a contract deadline to sign but I, I think it would be a good decision for him to, to re-sign for even if it is on reduced terms because you know Cambridge isn't exactly a better option I don't think for him and I think League One clubs might be interested but at the moment nothing's came out so as far as we're aware I it's still the best option but hopefully um, Wellens hasn't put him off too much. I think Cornwall is probably too far gone you have to say given that Wellens has said that he's difficult to contact but he still get. You know Instagram updates and stuff like that. So unless Wellens needs to get a new Instagram account, or uh, or the incomers clearly not interested. But, um, but yeah, I think I think there's still a chance of Noel, but it's just a case of hoping rather than any expectation at this point. And and is probably too far gone. But I think both of them are, are replaceable, but it's a disappointment to lose to lose either because they are b- both good players.
1: I'm fully aware that Wellens gave a deadline. If I was to be critical I would say that deadline was far too early because no matter how how many managers have we had that said I want my squad all in place for pre-season and how often does that happen? Barely ever. There's always one team that goes crazy. I think Mansfield did it a couple years ago and Northampton Town have done it this season where they've started to do their business early and People look with envious eyes, but they don't look at the end of the season when that team finishes mid-table or or ultimately doesn't go up. Um, I just feel that that deadline was too soon. Footballers are governed by their agents and everyone's telling these footballers, go on holiday and we'll sort things out. Noyle's not making the decisions here. Conroy isn't. They're holding off to see what else is going to be offered and they're perfectly entitled to do that, surely.
0: Yeah, I think... They've obviously got until June 30 when the contract officially runs out, and even if you left it right till that day, I think you have got more than enough time to find a replacement right back and a replacement centre back, which I mean to sign anyway. So, um, so yeah, it's definitely definitely too soon, and hopefully it doesn't come back to one on the backside. But I think other people will probably argue that if they're not committed right from the off, then they're not committed full stop. It's not uh, an idea I, I, I agree with outright, but I think you know people can people have seen that players sort of take the make far too much and uh, Noel and Conroy have sort of you know, faced the, uh, the brunt of that and have got the raw end of the deal where other players have have managed to uh, do what they like with a lot more freedom. But um, yeah, hopefully uh, it benefits Swindon, but we'll we we'll soon see.
1: Tom Coward asks, based on Wellins' recent comments... Can we guess who the two or three players that Wellens states were interested in? I think he Wellens mentioned that they were players that Town had played against during his era at the club.
0: Uh, yeah, I think um, my best guess from from the list that you uh, did some good research on and, and listed every player that scored against us, I think Jamie Devitt makes a lot of sense. I think Wellens has said that you know, he, he wants that sort of player age bracket of 26 to 30. They're in their prime, With Jamie Devitt is 28, I think, and he sees the bill that Swindon need and obviously was on that list of players that scored against us. So he, he, he ticks a lot of boxes and I think, I'm not sure if Alan Nixon has c- confirmed this room or not, if he's just going with, you know, the theme of, of Swindon players asking for updates on, uh, on, on Devitt and claiming it. But um, I think that's one that makes a lot of sense and we'll see the others shortly. But at least it's nice that Swindon are linked to a lot of players that, you know, we can talk about at this stage because not many people are, are moaning that we haven't we haven't done anything or not doing any, anything. So at least it looks like Wellens has got some sort of idea of who he wants and and how he can improve his squad Tom also asks
1: how many do you think will come in and he also asks will McCormick be number one now that Henry and Archie Matthews are signing up I've got to say you can't have four based on what Wellin said about how small he wants his squad you
0: can't have four goalkeepers can you? (laughs) I'm not not sure what to make of this goalkeeper position I, I think it's been um handled badly i think you'd probably only be keeping probably maximum two of, of mccormick henry and matthews and they said to go for all three i think i personally would have released mccormick but then i don't mind wellens extending it and then then surely you've got to make a decision on whether you sort of let bygones with big bygones with henry and, and let him find an elsewhere or or go with him rather than you know matthews i think you can only choose one sort of academy keeper there and they decide to go for both which is which is risky. But I do still think they're going to sign someone because Wellens has been pretty insistent on it in the past. So I don't think he'd go into a situation where he's lost his number one in Vigoro and he's going to go forward with number two going forward. So I do think um, they will sign one and it will look a bit daft with with four goalkeepers. But I do think that's actually a better option. But um, I definitely would have let at least one of McCormick, Henry Matthews go.
1: And how many do you think Wellens will bring in?
0: The squad is looking... Surprisingly, more full than I think a lot of people would expect. There, there will be a lot of movement. I think if Noy doesn't sign, two roebucks right are needed. If uh, if Comrie doesn't sign, at least one centre back is, is needed. Depends how how much you know. Current and Romanski are in it. So technically, you could only sign one. You have got Broadbent, Current, Romanski, and Haynes all all there. But I don't think Haynes will be involved much with centre back. And as I said, we'll, we'll see with Curran and Rumansky. Um Left back, you probably need two because I'm, I'm still like Chris and an but But um, again, it wouldn't surprise me if it was only one and Enderloes is back up for another season. Center mid is also busy. Um, you know, is Ro- contracted. Rose, we'll see how much McGill is involved. Deagaraga would be up in the air of uh, of how much he gets he gets involved or whether they try and offload him. Um, and then wingers again quite full. Um, well, actually, sorry, I refer rephrase that wingers not very full, but still you've still got Scott Twine who could play them. Jermaine Gle- McGlashan is still won't be involved, but he's still technically contracted, so they could try and get some movement there. I doubt they will get him involved, but, um, but you know, if worse comes to the worst an option there, and then, then number 10's Anderson probably is the only option. So one's needed there and strikers is completely blank. So there's definitely some movement there. So if I tally all that up, so one keeper, two right backs, a left back, a center back, two wingers, maybe three and three strikers, you're probably looking about 10, 11, 12 players in there. So, so yeah, it will be a busy summer, but there's, I th- I th- it won't, it won't be, um, you know, selling a whole squad, as, as some people might uh, think, you know, centre back and centre mid is is quite uh, is quite full, surprisingly.
1: And I think the new rule with the uh, the transfer deadline day is Swindon could be as far as six games in before the squad is complete.
0: Yeah, I think that'd be a uh, that be a lot of Facebook comment. I'm sure people are um, you know quite fixated on that idea that Swindon uh, leave their business to late. I think most of it will be done. I think you're probably only looking at maybe a few late loanies to, towards the beginning of the season, but that late August deadline does definitely give us uh, some uh, some room for manoeuvre to to get some late deals done. But um I think we'll, we'll get the nucleus pretty early because Wellens will want to crack on with getting his full ideas across to the players that will be uh, as yet unfamiliar with it.
1: Yeah, I've been looking through Wellens's contacts or potential contacts to see um, who he might uh, look into, especially if it was the loan market. I think the most significant is his Leicester one because... You know, his, the coaches at Leicester, Mike Stowell, John Rudkin, uh, Steve Beaglehole and Trevor Peake. The guys behind the scenes are still there. And of course, weddings were so popular at Leicester. But he's got contacts, Darren Ferguson at Peterborough, David Dunn at Blackburn, even Mickey Mellon at Tramier. Um, Paul Simpson, the England under-21 and the 20s coach is, is a former teammate. Liam Richardson, assistant manager at Wigan. So there's plenty of possible contacts out there that he could utilize brian stock at bournemouth even gareth taylor at man city so hopefully he'll be able to use some of those
0: yeah i think we've seen from one's early business and some of the early rumors from the summer that he, he tends to go with players that he's already worked with which is is quite limited but i think he'll hopefully work on you know players that he did like from his time there and, and decent recommendations from that list of names that you mentioned so i'm Quite optimistic, but um, I've been I've been quite optimistic before, and uh, Swindon will uh, ruin it somehow. But um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to see what will be a very busy summer, and uh, hopefully we we'll get some exciting uh, announcements. Whether we get a, a nice video of that or whatever, but, um, but yeah, there should be uh, a lot of hashtag announce X during the during the summer to the club Twitter account.
1: Fingers crossed. Steve Cook says that a proven goal scorer is essential. If you look back at the games that cost us, Yeovil and Port Vale at home and Cambridge away, that's six points drop where we couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. Our top scorer missed a third of the season and played in centre midfield. What's our opinion on this? Steve says he doesn't go every week, uh, but from what he's read and heard, from uh, friends and match reports, we create chances, but we just don't have anyone decent to finish them off. Is Theo Robinson the answer, or do we look elsewhere? Well, we can say uh, the news from Sun reporter Alan Nixon, or you know, you might raise your eyebrows at the Sun bit, but he tends to be quite good at this, as he has linked Swindon to Irish centre-forward uh, Owen Doyle, a 31 year old struggled in the championship with Cardiff and Preston, but he's had two reasonably solid seasons in League One with Oldham and Bradford. Despite both of those teams going down, he has scored goals. That could be an interesting, pretty much where Mark Richards or what Mark Richards was supposed to do this season.
0: Yeah, I think I'll start with Steve's point first of all. I think, obviously. I think it's you know top goals top goal the recent seasons have been you know Deltie on 14 and I think Norris on 6 in the in the year so got relegated and I think you know, I think the top I think Norris got 12 the season before that so there's there's clearly to be someone who can get 20 to 30 can be guaranteed to you know score you know bi-weekly at least but I think we we also need to see more from the likes of Anderson and what else he said I think you can maybe look back to the sort of the Kenya where, where you know Connor was when he gosh, scoring twelve, but you know Davita in with about eight, Richie ten. So if you can get, you know, Willer Anderson up to up to double figures and then have a striker who's only getting fifty, and you can sort of get away with that. Plus when you've got you know Doughty scoring penalties and getting your goal from field as well, you you can get more options there. And so maybe maybe not. 30-goal season strike is essential, but it would definitely help, and I think what's more important is probably getting the uh, the players around them to, to chip, chip in with more than they already have been, but that's definitely easier said than done. As regards to Owen Doyle, I think, you know, at the moment it's still quite a tenuous link. I think a lot of work's got to be done there rather than, you know, the likes of, you know, they've got to try and get a decent fee that Bradford will like, and will they start to a direct rival? Maybe not, and then uh, you know, I think Owen Doyle's earning a fair bit of Bradford, but as you say, Alan Nixon's got a pretty decent hit rate with this sort of thing, and certainly with Swindon. So, um, so yeah, hopefully there's there's movement there. But Doyle has done well, and and uh, well as well before, which could be, a, you know, could be a winning factor there as well. So, it looks it looks quite optimistic with regards to potential incomings, But as I, th- I, th- I think, I think Robertson is the answer. But Swindon have got to sign three strikers anyway, so we'll definitely see a lot of movement in that regard And hopefully, at least one of them can be that sort of focal point in the team that that is probably needed. Jack
1: Tanner asked us a question for the first S-Quad-esque, and he's going to ask the last one. He asks, has power fully moved from his early tenure strategy of acquiring young loan players from the likes of Tottenham, or could that happen again if and when we return to League One? Would Wellens be open to it? It mostly worked under Cooper, but I think, and that's Jack thinks that, Power failed to recognise we slightly over-relied on it. Cooper very harshly sacked, according to Jack, and he does wonder whether he would have avoided the mess in the past few years had we stuck with Cooper. So let's talk about the loans. I had no problem with the multiple loans from one club. I think it makes sense. If you're going to bring players in, at least they all know each other. Sure, that could form cliques and so forth, but it's worth a go. Has Power moved away from that or has he shelved it until we're on a higher level again?
0: Yeah, I actually as there. I think I think Power's probably moved on to it until the, the league One at least, because I think his approach to League Two has very much been um you know, get the players that will do the job but sadly they haven't done the job at the moment. But I think he's he's definitely gone for that more traditional approach. But I think probably the the biggest step here is that he's no longer in charge of bringing players to the club, he's, he's very much left up to the managers and I think that probably brings me on to the second part of the question, which is would Wellens be open to it? Probably not, given that he's expressed his desire to not have that over-reliance on, on lone players. He just wants them to, you know, further bol- bolster the outside of the squad without being the main players. Um, so I don't think we would see that model under Wellens again, but m- perhaps if if Powell decides, that he, he decides to you know, take control of chances again, then we'll definitely see it again. But s- so far, I think Powers reluctant to take any sort of blame for, for doing that which I think is completely fair enough but he and I have both joked that when he was in charge of transfers Swindon were doing okay so maybe he should go back to it but, um, but yeah I don't think we'll see it again in the, in the near future while Power has taken more of a back seat in terms of you know negotiating and, and being in charge of, of bringing players in
1: And that my friends was the 2018-19 season and the last Est Quad Est ever but we will be back in some, well, you know, same stuff, different name. Will you be back next year, Ben?
0: I hope so. I'll, I'll give you more details uh, later on, but you know about that already. But um, I should be back, and I'll definitely do a few cameo appearances at the very, at the very worst, but um, which might disappoint a few. But I'll definitely be back in some form. Hopefully, weekly by weekly, or or monthly by monthly. We'll uh, we'll see, we'll soon see, I guess.
1: We will see, and I thank you very much for your contributions over the season. Is there anything else?
0: No, just uh, just want to say thanks for having me on over the course of the season and while I was on your debut season, hopefully I didn't uh, take too many listeners l- l- away from you over the course of this uh, opening campaign of The Low Strangers. We'll talk about
1: that once we finish
0: recording. <laughs>
1: R.I.P. Ben.
0: <laughs> ben,
1: a pleasure as always. See you. Well, we're going to be back in the summer talking about some crazy news, aren't we?
0: Yeah, probably emergency podcast. Hopefully not Wellington's getting sacked or leaving for uh, Mansfield or, or, or some other club or whatever. But, um, but yeah, hopefully it's uh, some good news over the summer. We can enjoy... flurry of new signings. Until then thank you very much. Thanks Rich
1: The Low Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish Thanks for listening
2: Come on Swindon
1: so there we have it, the end of the 2018-19 season, the first season of the Low Strangers podcast. And because I'm a particularly soppy bugger, I would like to induct all the guests from the campaign into the Low Strangers Hall of Fame class of 2019. Thanks to everyone for listening, leaving reviews on iTunes and general kind words. They have gone a long way and they... ...do mean a hell of a lot to me... ...thanks to those who have helped with the production... ...Ben Wills has mentioned previously... ...Matthew Kilford's music... ...John Daglish's artwork... ...Paul at Zeroes for his stellar work... ...and to Katie, Josh and Craig... ...for combating my technophobic tendencies... ...thanks to all of those behind the scenes... ...who helped get some of the interviews over the line... ...just by messaging me and saying... ...I know this guy... ...would you like me to contact them for you... ...and I've always said yes... ...and I've always been tremendously grateful... Low Strangers is a celebration of Swindon Town, so this season is dedicated to the memories of former town players Ernie Hunt, Ralph Prowton and John Gittins, and of course, manager Danny Williams.
2: on you know boys! say, what the hell do we care? Cause we only know that going to be a show and the
3: Swindon town will be there. Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy...